You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestors, to all those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in the legacy of your family lines, and I call out to mine. I call out to these ancestral helping spirits who are able to bring to us this rich legacy to support us, the living, in doing what the living are here to do so that we might meet, or we might better meet, actually, the challenges of our time, that we might learn from those who have gone before us and to innovate where change is necessary and to hold true, to be steadfast with those things that have always been the things that human beings on this planet needed to do to live in a better way. So we call out to the ancestors to help us, help us the living, to do what must be done in our time, to meet the challenges in a way that we do what is needed for those who are coming. We ask the ancestors to help us in this, in this tiny, tiny moment of life that we have as the living, to do what must be done now and open the way. And let us reach beyond the human ancestors and remember that there was life here long before anyone ever dreamt up a human. And we reach through to that life, to the even more ancient ancestors, older than even the oldest human. And we ask these ancestors to help us to understand how to live well, how to surrender to our own true nature, and to bring forward the gifts that humans were dreamt up to bring, to do what is uniquely human in a good way, to bring in the songs and the blessings and the prayers that give thanks to all of life. We ask these ancestors to help us to remember the brothers and sisters around us and to live in a way that is good for all life. And with these ancestral energies gathering around us, let us gather ourselves. Let us do our part to find ourselves wherever we might be, multitasking and distracted as we are as contemporary people, and take a nice deep breath and draw ourselves into our mind. And breathing again, drawing ourselves from our mind to our heart. And again, another breath from our heart to our belly. And as we slow the day down, we take a moment and do one thing. Take a moment and imagine yourself touching the spirit of the earth. And giving thanks for this day. Giving thanks for life. Giving thanks for the wonder of this dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. And to the generosity in that dreaming that allows us to change anything as long as we are still breathing. To the beauty and the diversity, we give thanks and we send our energy down through all the layers of the earth, letting our gratitude pour out as our energy moves down until we reach the very center of the earth. And as we connect there deep in the powerful, pulsing center of the earth, We connect into that energy that is before, 
before it manifests in the many facets of life here on the face of the planet. We connect into that energy that is stillness and darkness, that is cool, that is peaceful. We connect into that which refreshes and renews and restores, that which nourishes life in so many ways. And we reach deeply into this energy and draw it up, drawing it up into our day, into our body, into these proceedings. We call this energy up and we use it to teach us how we can ground ourselves, how to manifest in form in a good way here on this earth, how to find a place to know where we stand and what we stand for and to build a sense of home on that and to build that sense of home in a way that is not locked to a piece of land or to a particular people but that is open to this planet and to all of humanity and that invites in those things that are different than you are, that you might be provoked by the otherness to become the men and the women that you choose to be. So we call out to these energies to teach us about connection within ourself to all the different aspects of ourself and about interconnection and interdependence as we reach out to connect with our environment, with the invisible world, and out even further until we might, if we are blessed in this day, have a moment where we perceive of our place in the great web of life. And may we take our sense of right relationship from our place in that web. And with this energy of the earth rising up, teaching us about connection and interconnection and being here with others different than we are, let us draw the energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, up and out the top of our head and into the sky above and whatever energy, whatever weather, whatever time of day it holds for you, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever way you understand this energy or name it, we reach to that energy and begin to draw it down, drawing down these energies from above, drawing into our lives, into our day, into these proceedings, the profound energy of blessing, of blessing, the energy of protection, the energy of generosity and devotion, commitment to that which we are here to do. We call these energies in with the benevolence of this universe and all the wisdom of the cosmos. We call these energies in for inspiration and illumination and tune in to the beneficence of the whole thing. We draw this in and down from above into our head, our heart, and our belly and send it down to the center of the earth that we might connect heaven and earth within ourselves and have these energies infuse and open our center channel and know this energy of the big love, this great, great love affair of these two legendary beings whose love brings this experience of form onto the face of this planet. And we give gratitude for this big love and we invite it to awaken the spirit of our own hearts. May our hearts awaken in that love and let all of its functions come online, including that crucible of transformation that lies in the heart. We draw up the fiery passions of the belly into that crucible and we call down the crystal clarity of the mind so reasonable and practical. We call these energies into our heart and we invite them to dance, a fiery, passionate tango in the heart that in this dynamic tension of these two energies moving together, we might remember in our heart the importance of why we are here. And may you find in your human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, it does not matter, but do something 
make manifest something in this day that brings your gifts into the world. And for all the assistance that we have in doing this of the helping spirits all around us, I give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings today go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I would like to give a special thank you to Chickadee Business Solutions, to Julie, to Mary Therese, to Katrina, David, Elise, Deb, and all the listeners who are able to donate financially to the show. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. So if this show moves you in any way, even if it's irritation and frustration, you have been moved. And I ask you to do this most important, most fundamental of shamanic things, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world and to do something that will support the show. That the donations of the show, humble though they may be, do uh, sense four years into the show, 2011, began to actually pay the bills of the show, which allows over, now we're at about 350 hours of podcasts about shamanism, the practical application of shamanism in the world, free and available to anyone who can get on the internet. And I give gratitude to those of you that financially helped me to make that a reality. I could not, literally could not and would not do it without you. And I also give thanks to those of you that have found other ways to strengthen and um, give punch, give uh, purpose to the show. Thanks for doing things with what you learn on the show. Thanks for sharing the show. But even more deeply, thank you for bringing these ideas into your journey circles, into your own shamanic practice, and wrestling with them, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, asking questions, sharing show ideas, and basically um, keeping this conversation alive in a way that we really are people who are shamanic people uh, living in a contemporary world and trying to bring shamanic solutions to our contemporary challenges. So thank you all for helping me to do that. And a special thanks going out to CoCreatorNetwork.com, our producers that hold the show technically in the world in such a good way. So we are live today. So if you have questions about today's topic, which is about community and the trickster, Reflections on the Way of the Bushman, um, which is a recent book by Bradford and Hillary Keeney. And so if you'd like to ask questions about uh, the topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in at co-creatornetwork.com from the site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to answer your questions. Um, sometimes in a show, sometimes on the show, and um, sometimes I just turn your questions into a show. Um, and that's also the email you can use if you would like to make a donation but you do not want to do it over the internet. You are welcome to do that as well. So today's show is a bit contemplative, I have to admit, as I'm still really being moved in my mind and my heart by the words of the elders that are um, preserved in uh, The Way of the Bushman by Bradford and Hillary Keeney. And they've so lovingly brought this uh, to life in the book The Way of the Bushman. And so we'll see if I should have waited until my ideas were more clear. We'll know by the end of the show. Uh, but perhaps even that is trickster thinking. 
And so what I wanted was the connection of this show to last week's show with the Keenies when we had them live as guests. And there are some ideas that I wanted to get to in last week's show um, with the Keenies, but I wasn't able to. We ran out of time very, very quickly. And so you're stuck with me and my own thoughts, you know, just me and the ancestors and my own thoughts about um, the wisdom and the medicine of these, uh, the Kalahari Bushmen elders. Um, so I'm aware, you know, that in the future, someone could be listening to this show because they were searching the keywords of trickster and community. Um, so later I'll do some catch up on the basics of um, the Bushman practices that were covered last week. Um, in that show, what's interesting to me actually in that show is you can hear this natural reluctance on Brad's part, who is um, a highly initiated healer in the Bushman system of healing. Um, and you, you hear his natural reluctance to speak directly about these teachings. And that reluctance is not being coy. That it's, it's, an, it's a very natural thing when you hold teachings. Um, to not want to speak of that experience in a way that begins to move it into the realm of the mind and then into the realm of the trickster. And the way that um, the most robust of spiritual practices, once they are written down, find their way into dogma when they become now philosophy and stop being practice. And this is the, the Bushmen are very aware of how this happens as things move from experience into the mind. And you can hear that uh, reluctance in Brad to speak directly to some of these things. Um, In a way, as it comes into the realm of the mind and the trickster, the very thing that matters so much starts to lose its reality. And I, I feel this, I mean, humbly, in a much, much humbler way, I feel this about my own teachings. My students have asked for years for me to start to write things down. And I keep saying this is an oral tradition. The only way to keep this alive and breathing is for it to stay alive. And then, of course, my father died last year. And my students said, what happens when you die? And so in very much in the same way that the Bushmen, the elders, have asked that um, this book, The Way of the Bushmen, is, is written to, to correct misunderstandings about their life and their beliefs and their healing you know and the other part of the reluctance though is the reason there's a misunderstanding which is the reluctance and you see this all over the writing about shamanism the academic writing about shamanism you see this about the writing from all over the world is that initiated people hesitate to speak to the uninitiated about whatever is true at their level of initiation. So it's about that reluctance uh, to speak of an experience um, to those who haven't had the experience. And especially when that experience is an initiatory experience. And this, because you can't understand it. There, there is so much about where the power comes from in authentic shamanic work that cannot be truly understood 
until you've experienced it yourself. There's no knowing before doing. There's only doing. And even in the doing, it doesn't always come. And so you can hear this reluctance. So I'm asking Brad these really direct questions and he's evading, not intentionally, not wanting to obscure because there's a great love um, for, for these people, for these ways and for the desire for us to truly understand it and bring it in some way into our lives and yet it's natural to sidestep and and the Kalahari from from Brad and Hillary's writing are like notorious for for actually teasing uh, their, their, their actual teasing activities that the academics in their academic certainty they were superior didn't get they were being teased and the very things that the teasing words got written down as the truth I mean, it, it's actually kind of funny when you read the book. But this particular thing, you know, is, is actually very moving for me because part of the reason it took six years to write the Encyclopedia of Shamanism or an Encyclopedia of Shamanism is exactly this reason. Because at first I thought I got asked to write the book and I thought, well, why not? It's just a great big gigantic research project. I graduated from a fancy pants college. I can do this. I just need to go read a whole bunch and ask the same kind of questions about them and sort it out into an encyclopedia. How hard can that be? And I realized once I was into the project, too far to get back out of, meaning humbly, that the um, – small advance had been spent and I had no means at that time to generate that money and pay it back so I was in that the information was terrible it's exactly like what Brad is saying in this book about the information about the Kalihari Bushman that that things that are evasive comments that are made to not speak to someone who is uninitiated about the work to not speak about it to the uninitiated became the truth and so the Bushmen, it's interesting that there's enough around to be able to look at what's been written about themselves and go, what were these people thinking? This is, these people were being teased. This isn't the truth. But I felt this in the research about shamanism all over the world. And so here I am a practitioner trying to sort of do right by my ancestors and my helping spirits to write this encyclopedia about shamanism and, and to the publisher. I mean, I'm trying to do a good job here. And I know as a practitioner that the real information isn't here. And yet my contract is to write this encyclopedia based on the published information. It was enormous, enormous conflict of integrity for years, finding, picking my way through that. And so reading this book, you know, there's really the words of the elders correcting that misinterpretation about their own lives is deeply moving for me to realize that we're at this place with enough people willing and able to bridge these cultures to bring the real information through. I don't know, the whole thing actually makes me cry in relief, to be honest. So anyway, it, it, the book touched me in, in many ways. So, so here they are, right? Um, they've written this book. They've been asked by the elders to actually translate their words into English and correct this misunderstanding because the elders want to reset our understanding of their lives and of their work and of their medicine. And they feel that this is so important at this time on the planet. They are, they're willing to risk this information moving into the trickster realm 
they're willing to take that risk just to get it out there in a good way for us. So then when we read the book, we can't miss the, um, this, in this very simple perspective about how to be a good human, um, that in its cautions about letting things move into this trickstery realm of the mind, you can't help but miss how predictive it is that these original people speak to what humans need to do to keep from going sideways in life and following the trickster until they're lost. So, so this is the, the fundamental challenge of being a human that's been there from the original humans, right? Because the Bushmen are the original humans, right? And so <laughs> they're talking about this problem of getting stuck in your head and getting lost, getting, climbing the wrong ropes, right? Getting, getting sideways with yourself, right? They're talking about this and what needs to be done to keep that from happening. And the world they describe, should this happen, is precisely the world we live in today. So if the first people understand how to not end up where we are today, should we not pay attention? So as we continue on this path, um, there you know, so if we, current people, contemporary people, continue on this path that we're on around the globe, right? The ropes, as the Kalahari uh, Bushmen speak of it, or these relationships between humans and God grow weak. And the ropes or the relationships between humans and the trickster grow strong. And as we move further and further away, you know, as the trickster ropes grow stronger, we move further and further away from that which can guide us true. And, and they're not saying true as in the right answer because that is also trickster thinking. That what they're saying, and or guess what I'm saying, is that these actions, that they're talking about the actions that shape a way of being in the world that strengthens our relationship with the energies we can trust to guide us true in this moment and then in the next moment. And then in the next moment, and the point is, it's not about having a fixed, revealed religion, a fixed, perfect way of doing it, but about renewing our connection to the source, the clarity and the truth of how to be a good human again and again and again. That it's a relationship. It's not a document. It's a relationship. It's not a philosophy. It's a dance. So, God lives in the heart while the trickster dwells in the mind. This is at the core of these teachings that grasp my attention here of the Kalahari Bushmen. When the trickster is in the head, it oversees the heart and leaves us feeling mixed up and frustrated. The remedy is to lift the heart through the heat of the dance so that it holds the mind allowing the thoughts and feelings to work together in a good, clear way. How can we use these teachings, those I just described, how can we use these teachings of the Bushmen to step away from our alienation and disconnection on one hand, but also to step away from this, this movement towards this magical shamanism that's all happening in our heads, it's getting more and more mental, more and more visionary without any grounding in the everyday life. 
more and more about intention is everything. It's all about the aliens. It's moving out into the stratosphere of the mind. And if this is not the seduction of the trickster, I don't know what is. So how can we use these teachings of the Bushmen to, um, to change this, to climb out of our heads and to raise our heart to hold the mind in right relationship so that our thoughts and our feelings work together in a good way? When human beings do that, they accomplish the impossible. It is amazing to observe. But we need to understand how to get there. So the Bushmen teach that we need the community to be fully cooked and that the community uh, knows that it needs each individual in the dance to bring in the arrows of energy needed for healing. And so it's a relationship, not just between us and the spirit energies or God, the sky God as the Bushmen see it, but it's our relationship with each other and that these relationships need to be cleaned through the heat of the dance. So let's review. Okay, what do the Bushmen really mean when they start using these English words, right? And so even before that, why do we care? Why should we, why should we care? Like just because this book has attracted my attention, why should it attract yours? Because these are our ancestors. When you call out to your ancestors, you are calling out to these people. These are the original people. They are all of our ancestors, literally all of our ancestors. And because we see the remnants of their ways in shamanism around the world and in the spiritual healings, different, different spiritualities or spiritual healing practices that have emerged around the world that you see the pieces of it, but we don't see the wholeness of it. Okay, so let's review. What are they talking about? What, what, are, what are our ancestors talking about, our human ancestors? When they say God, what do they mean? And this is kind of important to me because God's not a word I use often, not capital G God. It's never really um, grasped me and and i don't mean to be offensive at all for those people for whom this is a very important word but for me as a child what i observed is people whose personal idea of god seemed too small to be something we would actually refer to as god and that was just my thinking as a kid and that's just what i got exposed to as a kid Right, So it's never been this whole, oh my goodness, I'm willing to do anything for the big G God has never really moved me. And so I think it's important to understand what the Bushmen mean when they use the word God, and in particular the sky God. Um, because it's really not what you mean when you, not you as a contemporary person mean when you say God. And it's actually very different. And there's a lot of people that think they own God, the capital G God. And there's a lot of people killing each other over having the wrong idea about God. And this is back to my whole point, which is so then how are these ideas about God helping us if it's being used as an excuse to slaughter each other, used as an excuse for wiping an entire group of people off the face of the planet? How is that actually about God? Really? Okay, so God, from a Bushman perspective. For the Bushman, this is from the book directly. God is complex, 
and the same complexity of non-dualistic interactive complementarity holds for all living things from the gods to the animals and the humans okay so in other words not it's not an antagonist antagonistic dualism of good and bad it's a complementary perspective between um, stability and change right so there is this singular all-encompassing god of creation the sky god who maintains this ever-loving stability so when they climb up the right ropes and they go straight up to God, that's who they're going to, this place of ever-loving stability. While at the same time, this is the complementary dualism piece, at the same time, the whole of this God includes a trickster or a changing form that can be either good or bad depending on the situation at hand. So this is all part of their understanding when they say God. Continuing, in this interdependent relationship of stability and change, the whole identity of God is created, maintained, and changed. Okay, so this, this awareness that the Bushmen share is like cybernetics, for those of you who want to go Google it and look it up. And this is, cybernetics is about um, understanding how the organization of stable systems happens through this constant process of self-corrective change. And so so what happens when – okay, so if we look at Taoism, uh, a system that is stable but does not allow self-corrective change becomes stagnant and dies off, right? And so it's that, that understanding of how there's a constancy and a stability but that that constancy and stability is the living, breathing stability – through this self-corrective, constant self-corrective change. Okay, back to God from a Bushman perspective. All living forms, including ancestral spirits and gods, are regarded as having complementary aspects of both stability and change. While there exists a stable identity where certain things never change, there is also the possibility for change that can take place at any moment. Bushmen have an implicit understanding of non-dualistic relationship of change and stability. So that whole non-antagonistic dualism thinking. So God for the Bushmen is a very complex. It is an expression of this complementary dualism we see in shamanism around the globe. Um, which makes sense if these are our original people. Okay, so moving on then with the Bushmen non-subtle energy and we talked a lot about this last week so i won't get up on my soapbox about subtle energy healing but this is about raising the heat of our core energy literal manifest non-subtle gross energy heating our own energy and this isn't even talking about chi and the subtle movement of energies in qigong this is, you know, there's all that whole thing in Qigong, and I complain about it all the time, right, of whether or not you're feeling the chi. With nom, with heating the nom, heating this non-subtle energy, there's no guessing. It's either heating or it's not. You're either dancing or you're not. You're either singing or you're not. There's no guessing. If you are filled by the heat and, and raising the heat of this energy and connecting to the sky god, you are singing, you are dancing, you are cleaning your nails. There is no in-between. And this, to me, is the 
heartbreaking beauty of this medicine. No bullshit. You either take yourself there or you're not. No philosophy, no negotiation, no contemporary blah, blah, blah bullshit in between. You are either dancing, sweating, singing, and feeling the norm rising, or you're not. That's the heart of this work. And so this is shaking medicine. It's the oldest medicine on earth, the ecstatic shaking of the human body. And um, most contemporary people are so afraid of losing control, they won't even go on a journey, which is all happening in your mind, right? Much less actually allow their body to move. So, But in order to achieve this transcendent state necessary to experience the deep healing, we must surrender that control. That we can see shaking medicine in cultural traditions around the world. Um, from Quakers and Shakers of New England, the shaking medicine in Japan, India, the Caribbean, the Kalahari, and the Indian Shakers in the Pacific Northwest. This is – so you see this original medicine as it spreads out around the globe. And you can also see it as – so there's a piece in the book where a female elder healer is talking about the, the difference as women raise the gnome and as men raise the gnome. And I could – reading that, I could have easily been back in work with Christiana Harrell um, who's talking about the Finnish – Finnish as in Finland – energy of Vitu that – I can't remember the corresponding name for this energy rising in the men. But for the women, raising this energy so they can send the energy to the plants and the animals in the springtime. To bless the fertility of life. And it's exactly the same information. And so here you see Nom. You see it flowing all the way from the Kalahari up to Finland for goodness sakes. Right? There it is all around. So, So we should pay attention to it then is my point. So I should pay attention to it then is my point. Okay. So we have this non-subtle energy of Nom. And then this piece then the next piece of it is then how do we get it how do we move it where do we find it where do we go for it well it's in us it just needs to be danced and in the dancing and the singing we raise the heat of it and as it begins to boil we get as they say cooked by god we get danced by the gnome and so this is where it becomes shamanic because what makes shamanic healing shamanic healing is that the human is being moved by an energy that is larger than human. Whether I perceive of it as bare spirit, other than human, or as gnome, that it's that allowing myself to be danced by another energy and allowing my body to to direct that energy into the world in such a way, if we go back to the Bushman, that I am healed, my nails are cleaned, And I am able to help the cleaning of the nails of others. I am able to bring that energy in for the healing of others. And so this is this energy of being danced. That the gnome is heated not in our mind. Not because we intend to. Not as a philosophical idea. But because we we clap. We sing. We gather around the fire together. We get up off our asses and we sweat. 
and we dance and we focus that dance not in an ecstatic trancey dance but in actually focusing inward to raise the gnome um, and so as the Bushmen say that gnome takes us past improvisation um, as it is typically understood in dance and theater and yet we have to be willing to be improvisational it's not a formal dance with a formal step we have to be willing to be in improvisation which then that that willingness to be changed willingness to be in the unexpected willingness to be out of control and not know what's going on without being random and reckless right finding that place where we become liquid we're not solid we're not air right and air is where Americans want to go in their trance states. They want to just blast out of here. But we want to stay liquid. And in that place, we enter into this felt interaction with the mystery. Knowing that sweet spot, the sweet spot of becoming liquid, that is the heart of true shamanic practice. To know where that is, not, not necessarily as a shamanic healer, I mean, in your relationship with your helping spirits, being able to allow yourself to be taken to that place where you are liquid and all change is possible. This is what the Bushmen are talking about when they talk about being danced by the gnome, that they are available. They're hot, they're sweaty, they're heated up, things are moving, stuff is happening, that they are now moving out of the everyday physical world Though they are taking action in the everyday physical world to dance and sing and clap and be together, but they are connecting to the non-physical world directly as this energy rises. And so this is the way of the Bushman being improvised, moved, danced, sung, and touched by the mystery. Mnom is inseparable from the longing and the loving of the sky god and all of creation. Okay. Next idea that's really important is, and your gnome. Talk, they talk about it as nails or spears. Um, it gets dirty. We're human. We fall away. We get into our mind. We take a step sideways. We don't realize we've done it because trickster is so seductive. The mind is so smooth and so seductive. And your mind is particularly smooth seducing you as mine is seducing me. And anyone, if any of you are practicing, are, 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 are students with teachers who do not properly respect the power of the mind to trick us at all states of initiation and healing and consciousness and self-awareness. If any of you are studying with someone who does not properly respect that, respectfully bow out we do not have time to go down that road anymore find teachers and there are many out there that properly and humbly respect the power of your mind to fool you and the power of their own mind to fool themselves because this is the thing about cleaning your nails cleaning your spears that the bushmen understand everybody needs to shut up and dance Everybody needs to dance, to heat the fire, to keep their nails clean. 
And so as soon as we start talking about nails and clean nails, I'm all already thinking about the tzentzak, the magical darts that are used in tandem with ayahuasca to do the powerful sucking extraction healings that the ayahuasca shamans do in the rainforest, right? So again, you know, we see the, the, the flow of this energy from these original people into the shamanism of other people and the need. They talk, the, the Bushmen talk about receiving your nails from a woman so that those nails are pregnant and can give birth. And they talk about the same thing in receiving your tzensok, that you want to receive tzensok in it, that can ultimately, uh, you receive sensok, prove yourself to be not a sorcerer, basically, and thus receive sensok that can generate others. This idea moving through of the need to cleanse yourself as a human to continue to receive the nails, to receive this healing energy from the spirit world. And in this, and as you clean your nails, you know, as all the crud burns off, as the heat rises and you dance and you sing and the heat rises, then the ropes appear. And the ropes are the relationship with the higher, with God, as they understand God. And you climb up those ropes in the big love energy and you're connected to the true energy, the true teachings. And then you can, you learn, continue to receive the teachings and learn. And so my point is the understanding that we have to maintain this relationship. We have to clean our nails. We always have to clean our nails. And the deeper piece I want to make a point of today is we do this together. I mean, if we follow the teachings of the Bushmen, there is that deep understanding that the healer needs the community, the community needs the healer. The individual needs the community, the community needs the individual. That to, to dance and heat our nails, we must dance together to cleanse and to realign ourselves with God. In other words, the Bushmen are not saying you need the fancy people, the big healers to connect to God. They're not saying that. They say you need the healers and the people to help you clean your nails. Your energy is clean and clear. Climb the rope. The rope is there for everyone. The relationship to God is there for everyone. The issue is, are you willing to get up off your butt and do what is necessary to keep your nails clean? So I'm going to translate this rather grossly into contemporary practice. So when I do intake with my clients, they come in, we ask about this, that, and the other things, things you would expect. And then I always ask them, so what are you doing in your everyday life, daily, weekly, monthly to maintain your well-being? Easily 50% of the people that come to me. Now, these are people who are willing to go to a shaman. So we're already talking about a subset of America. Well, a little bit the globe because of the show. But anyway, we're talking about a subset of people already. And even in that subset, easily 50% of the people aren't doing anything. Clean your nails, people. You cannot. I mean, this is, this is one of the most powerful things the Bushmen are saying. You cannot expect a healer to help you if you will not get up and dance and allow the fire of your own goodness, not the healer's goodness, your own goodness to cleanse your nails. If, if, if this message from our 
oldest ancestors couldn't be any more clear. You are not entitled to well-being. You create it through your choices, through your actions, to stand up and dance, to sing, to allow this energy to rise, to heat, to boil, to cleanse away the trickster thinking. And to translate that into contemporary terms, the stories you tell yourself about who you are, about how the world works, the stories you learn from your family of origin, the stories you learn from your culture, the stories you made up yourself, that you cleanse these false trickster stories about truth and recognize that for every single human being on this planet, the nom exists within you. You need only to dance, to sing, to heat it, to let it cleanse, and the rope to God is there for you. The issue is we need each other to hold the dance. That it's there individually for all of us. But we need each other for each individual to go there. This is so important. (laughs) It's so powerful. It's so simple. And yet so far away from a contemporary person's life. Because the final piece really from this book, The Way of the Bushman, that I think is important is this community piece. The Bushman Healing Dance is the main venue for their community experience of ecstatic healing, shamanism, and spirituality. While it has a particular structure and form, it also hosts improvisational variation, guided by the experience of feeling and sharing nom. Okay, so... We talked about that last week. So I'm just going to continue from there. The healer, this is the word, this is from the word, these next few pieces are from one of their highest regarded healers. Not Brad, but um, Kalahari Bushman. The healer is most vulnerable and at greatest risk when her nails get dirty. Trickster comes twice as fast to the healer as to other people. People don't understand the difficulty of a healer's life. As a healer opens her heart and and lets God fill her with nails, the people must dance. If there is no dancing and the healer can't be with other healers, then her nails get dirty. Since healers have many more nails than other people, it is dangerous when they all get dirty. If people don't dance... They put their healers in harm's way, and then the healers can't help them. The people have to dance to keep the healers strong. When the healers dance, everyone has the best lives. But when the people aren't dancing, they have the hardest lives. Whether we talk about this relationship as healers with the community or simply individuals with whatever their gifts are in the community. It's the same pattern of relationship. That we want our gifts to be received. And for them to be received, the community needs to be there to receive it. And to inspire the gifts out of us, most of us need other, be- other human beings around to provoke us into what is needed. To have your gifts, to have your love received 
by another is profound. And this is this community peace the Bushmen are talking about. That the healing energy comes from the heart of the community. It moves through individual people. But the individual people aren't apart from or special. They're just the ones within whom the nom is the strongest. Just like there are others in the community who sing the best. And there are others in the community who are better hunters. And there are others in the community that make amazing websites. There are others in the community. You see my point. That it's about the collective dance, raising the energy in each individual so that their gifts get expressed in the, so that their relationship with God is clean and clear, which then guides the expression of their gifts in the world. And they don't get caught up in the trickster thinking. Right? So, one of the um, elders says, the trickster never gets into the heart, just the mind. When we have trickster in our head, it oversees our heart. We feel mixed up and frustrated. So, who isn't feeling, who hasn't ever felt mixed up and frustrated? Right? Who isn't actually feeling mixed up and frustrated today? Right? So I started thinking about the medicine shared in this book. It's such a simple concept, right? You move your energy from experience, from direct direct experience, direct revelatory experience into the mind. Now I'm thinking about the experience, not having the experience. And I start to move into the dangerous territory of the trickster, which is neither good or bad, but both. And it's very easy to get lost, to get mixed up, and to get frustrated. If that doesn't describe the Western world today, I don't know what does. And if you keep keep living there, keep going further and further on the ropes of the trickster, in the relationship with the trickster, it explains so much about what doesn't work. And ultimately, about the, the epidemic of quote-unquote mental illness we're experiencing in humanity, particularly in the Western world. The further we get from the dance, the less willing we are as community to heat our norm, to clean our nails, the more mentally ill the community becomes. This is our problem, not their problem, right? So, I have a pretty good relationship with Trickster. So this message from the elders has really caught my attention. Because the Trickster energy is a big piece of the cycle teachings. It comes in in year three. Um, And this is the year where we're talking about the archetypal energy of the teacher. And in this teaching, the teacher is um, more like master as in the master of the dojo, although we can't use the word master with all of our history of slavery. That just would never go over well at all. So it's the teacher, leader, sovereign. It's all those archetypal energies wrapped into one in this particular uh, cosmology of shamanism. And the important thing is when we are in that, that energy of the teacher, teacher, leader, and moving that energy through the power of the heart, we have no need for the trickster. The heart holds the mind. Our thoughts and emotions work together and our actions are aligned. 
But when we drop the heart because of fear or judgment, any of the stories that we tell ourselves that shape our lives, stories we no longer even remember that are all based on the lie of separation, when we drop the heart, when we live these stories we hold in our mind and drop the heart, we need the trickster to trick us back. In other words, when we can't hear the teacher, we need the trickster to get our attention. And so this this book, this one book, has made me look again, to look differently uh, from another perspective at the whole third year of the teachings in this cycle, which is all about connecting with the divine. So connecting with the sky god, raising our energy to connect with the sky god by working with the teacher and the trickster actually to clear the stories we carry in our mind other than the one fundamental story. To put that one fundamental story in the Bushman's terms, you dance your nom, you clean your nails, you get a rope to God and you climb it. You renew your relationship with God and realign your actions. And you know as a human your nails are going to get dirty again so you shut up and dance again. And you do this with your community. And you give the healing energy you receive in this to the community and the community gives to you. And that this is life. And that this is actually the message in year three. It's, it's um, I'm sorry, it's just fascinating to me. So anyway, the Bushman. What does this mean to us? As the contemporary manifestation of shamanism moves more toward the mind, more toward purely visionary aspects. In other words, a version of that would be, I've done ayahuasca a hundred times. And what did you learn from that? It doesn't matter. I've done it a hundred times. You know, like not pro- – anyway, you get my point. Journeying and just having the journey be all about the story of what happens in the journey versus what did it mean, how do I interpret it, and how do I ultimately apply this to my life so that I live as a better human? Am I bringing my gifts to the world or, I, or am I just waiting for the next time I get to do ayahuasca? The next time I get to ecstatic dance. The next time I get to escape my human life and then come back and go back to life in a way that is not about bringing my gifts to the world. This is the challenge. So the Bushmen, this is an important piece. The Bushmen value their sensations and emotions more than their mental calculations and logical arguments when making decisions and evaluations. So body sensations are regarded as giving information about the interactions of their ropes, you know, or their relationship with God. While mental calculations and arguments are regarded as a possible distraction of the trickster, something to be cautious about. Trickster talk can sometimes be valuable for the trickster can be good or bad, but the ropes are metaphors for the relational interaction, okay, so for the relationships that we're creating. And as such, the ropes provide more reliant communication for the here and now. So the trickster discourse, on the other hand, can get caught inside the inner interactions of abstraction and can easily become dissociated from the web of relationship where life is lived and experienced. Now, the important thing is when we say to a bunch of addicted, excessively immature, emotional, Western thinking people, not to be judgmental, but let's be real, we need to grow up. When we say the Bushmen value their body sensations and emotions, we also have to remember um, that these things, body sensations or emotions, 
are for a bushman are not equivalent to what they mean to you unless you have heeded your norm and evolved your awareness to be a spiritual adult because in the context of sensation and emotion for a bushman there are three things most western thinkers do not have one initiation into adulthood for each girl that begins to bleed which is of course every girl the entire community dances they drop everything and they dance until her first cycle is complete so the movement into adulthood for boys and for girls is a profound community event their understanding of initiation and sensation is based on initiation into adulthood in the understanding that you heat your nom and clean your nails and that changes your sensation and your emotions and the third thing it's based on is that these individuals are in relationship with community and community is in relationship with the individuals what we experience as in deep not subtle energy but deep energetic sensation and emotion is very different if our life is based on those three things so the important thing here is that we get a sense of what it can mean this idea of heating our norm to burst open so that we can hear what can be most deeply perceived and when these feelings are not strong our truest nature is asleep to what can we do what we can do is read this book and let these teachings in and begin to think what is it that i can do to begin to heat my nom to recognize i need to cleanse my nails there are many many things we can do to cleanse our energy what needs to stop is our belief we don't have to do anything being a good human is a constantly maintained relationship with ourself and with the helping spirits that guide us whether we see them as bear spirit and buffalo spirit or the sky god or whatever that this is at the heart of shamanic practice So what does this mean for the future? What does this mean for the Kalahari and its oldest people? What does it mean for us? So the book, this way of the Bushman book is written because the strongest as they say, the Bushmen say, the strongest healers are almost gone. These are urgent and dangerous times, and our wisdom is needed to heal the world. We believe it is extremely important for future healers to know the original spiritual teachings. So who are you when you call out to your ancestors? If you don't know these teachings of your original ancestors. So these are the first people. The first expression of shamanism in this beautiful world with its many diverse expressions of shamanism. So what if we listen to them? What if we ignored the tr- trickster talk in our mind about how improbable and impossible this all is? What if we simply listened to our ancestors? What if we actually opened our mind to the idea that maybe they're right? 
that we have stopped cleaning our nails and gotten lost in the trickster world of the mind and look at what we have wrought in the world see it in your newsfeed now begin to feel it feel it in your newsfeed what if that hatred that pain that destruction simply inspired you to dance not to be depressed not to say oh woe is me not to get angry not to boycott but to heat your gnome to burn away your hatred and the thoughts it inspired to burn away your pain and the trickster thoughts that it inspired to burn away your own destruction even if it is self-destruction and the thoughts that it inspired what if this inspired you to light the fire and dance to call the community around you to sing to clap to dance and to raise the energy together what if you danced to heat your nom until you burned away all that has made your nails dirty that you cleanse your core energy and feel the pull of the rope the rope to the sky god and you climb up and you listen receiving true message a clear message a heart message that can show us the way the way to being better humans what if you could feel the spear of nom from god enter your heart with the message and with that clarity you climb back down to the people and you continue to dance you share the nails clear and clean with your people and they share their nails with you what if we simply listened to our ancestors and danced so i want to thank our ancestors the kalahari bushmen and all of our ancestors the earth below the sky above and the heart that unites us all thank you everyone for listening today <laughs>